morning and welcome to episode 675 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, brought to you by the Play Index at baseballreference.com. I'm Sam Miller with Ben Lindbergh of Grantland. Hi, Ben. How are you? All right. Thank you. Good. Good. I'm glad to hear. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I don't have anything particularly to talk about. Do you? I assume you saw this tree on the high school field in Franklin, Ohio planted I, between the mound and home plate i did see that tree sort of amazing that this has never come up on the show we've discussed every hypothetical of field maintenance and we have never come up with the tree between the pitcher's mound and home plate who's that benefit Who, <laughs> what is what does that do to the park factor does it make it an offensive environment or a pitching environment in your opinion on, well on one hand you can't throw as hard through a tree, but I'm surprised by your by your <laughs> here. To me, it's obvious. Well, I think it's uh, I think you would just get a lot of walks, right? It would be a it would benefit the hitter. I don't I don't I don't agree with that at all. You don't? No. What do you think would happen? Well, this tree was not this was not a you know it's not a big not, bushy tree. It's not a 200 year old redwood. I mean, this was a this was a what was the diameter of the of the of the trees, uh, what do you call that? <laughs> <laughs> Wingspan. I don't know. Branch span. No, but we're not worried. It was taller than that, right? Trunk. Trunk. There you go. <laughs> yeah, you're only worried about the trunk. Yeah. Right. Because right. all the all the, the the canopy is above the pitcher's pitch path, so you're only worried about the trunk. I would guess that this was maybe a, a one foot trunk, if that. It was less than that. I mean, it's probably a four inch trunk. Maybe. And yeah. I don't think I think that there would be certainly a, some pitches would hit the trunk of this tree and not make it to the plate, which I guess is a ball. <laughs> yes, right. And, and I think there would be some wild pitches certainly because of this, and that would help offense. However, most wouldn't, and you just would move to the side of the mound that you need to, and you know you'd maybe throw some breaking pitches. And I mean, the pitch is not straight and no pitch that you throw is actually like really directly straight so you can see hooking it around this thing spinning it around this thing a little bit uh, but certainly just moving onto the side of the mound that lets you get around it and uh, and then i think from the hitter's perspective i'm saying impossible yeah like, well I, I, I think never hit a pitch <laughs> it's hard to say how close it is to the mound because of the perspective i'm trying to figure out whether i guess it's it's well beyond the point where it would interfere with the delivery or the follow through or anything probably so if you could if you could get it out of your head as the pitcher if it's your if it's your home field and you're used to pitching with the tree then it probably wouldn't bother you after a while if you were a visiting pitcher who was not used to pitching with a tree then that would probably be pretty distracting but i yeah. you'd get used to it though you'd get used to it way before you'd get used to being a visitor and hitting the tree <laughs> that's like probably you, true i think the pitcher would get used to it by if not the end of his nine warm-ups and he could probably go out before the game and warm up i guess it's that, a it's right where the batting practice pitcher would be too yeah it's a so i don't know how that would affect it's a sapling so it's gonna grow or it would have it's been removed already sadly but it would have grown but i guess if it grew then the canopy would just get even farther from the field Right now, there's a there's a branch coming off the side of it that is probably in the ball's flight path. And yeah, for the right-hander, could be. Yeah, and maybe that branch would have some some leaves and would develop some 
some greenery that could be an obstacle. But but over time, you'd get a thicker trunk, but less canopy or branch involvement. I don't know what that would do. It'd be a very interesting experiment. They should have left it, because really, who cares about this? Who cares about the results of this high school baseball team? But if it had a tree, suddenly everyone cares. Yeah, no, I agree. So are we in agreement that this is the ideal place to put a tree, though? Like, if you're going to put a tree on a baseball field, there's really no debating this, right? I, I think so. I mean, it seems like <laughs> it seems like the pit and the tree kind of go hand in hand as far as placement. I don't know that I agree with that. The pit, the uh, the idea for the pit, the your main goal for a pit is to create the maximum amount of, of, of laughing at them falling. So you want to put it somewhere preferably unnatural where it's going to be like having the ground pulled out from under them. With a tree, you want to create, I think you want to create some sort of strategic amusement. And that's why I think it's good here. And I think the one case you could make for putting the tree somewhere else, it would be a totally different thing. But wouldn't it be fun if the bases were all trees so that it could be just like when we were kids and the bases were always trees, you know? You'd have some, like in when you're a kid, first base is always just something, you know, like the tractor or the stop sign or the tree. Not if you grew up in Manhattan. No. I'll have ben, if Ben's going to step aside, it's just going to be me and you, reader, listener. Remember when we were kids and we would play baseball on a summer day with just three of us? Uh, one was one, you know, with ghost runners and, you know, clods of dirt on the field and everything. And, and the bases, they were always random things like your mom's van, you know, or you would just, you just, you put up a, I don't know, you'd, you'd put your dad's golf clubs up, prop them up, and that'd be second base. I think that that would be great if the trees, if there were trees on major league fields that were the bases and you just had to grab it. And you do that thing that you'd always do where you're running and then you sort of, grab it you hook your arm around it to mm-hmm. stop yourself instead of sliding I'd, I'd go with trees for bases i'm gonna say the i'm now gonna say these vandals screwed it up it's an environmentally friendly ballpark <laughs> modification i'm not worried about the environment <laughs> particular case okay all right we can continue have you ever played baseball on a non-baseball field ben i probably not an actual game huh wow I played with friends just on a dirt patch in the park, if that counts. But not a dirt not a full not a full game. But this was a dirt patch without bases and Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll count it. And and I assume growing up in New York, I assume that w- when you did play baseball on that dirt patch, Willie Mays would randomly show up and play with you. <laughs> yeah, that's how it works here. Cool. Yeah. All right. Hey, by the way, I just want to recognize Kevin Gregg whose career may or may not have come to an end. I would never never assume that Kevin Gregg's career is over because it just keeps going and going. But the Reds have designated him for assignment after he posted a 10-plus ERA in 11 appearances while everyone was wondering why they were giving Kevin Gregg appearances. But that's kind of been the case for all of Kevin Gregg's career. It's a great, fun career that confused everyone throughout. And Kevin Gregg, if this is it... He retires with a 177. He retires with 177 saves career and a 102 ERA plus, almost entirely out of the bullpen. He made eight starts in his first couple of years, and that really sets him apart. If you look at the list of pitchers with uh, at least 150 saves, there are 78 guys who've gotten to that total. 
The lowest ERA plus is Jose Mesa at 100, but that's very deceptive because Jose Mesa was a terrible starter for much of his career. So he he threw like 564 of his of his I don't know 1500 something innings as a starter with a five plus ERA. He was a 3.95 ERA reliever during a, a high offense era, so he he is much better than Kevin Gregg out of the bullpen. After Greg, who's at 102, you have to go up to 109 to find the next guy with 150 saves, and that is Eddie Cordado, who had more saves or uh, more starts than than Greg, also. So it's a pretty unique career. So well done, Kevin Greg. You consistently defied all our expectations, and it's confusing because if you were gonna put a sabermetric person in charge of a bullpen he might put kevin gregg as the closer just because he figure that a pitcher of kevin gregg's quality can record the save the vast majority of the time but probably his teams were not thinking that way they were thinking of kevin gregg as their best reliever or that's how most teams treat their closers at least and so there were many teams that thought kevin gregg was the best guy in their bullpen Yes, it was the Marlins, the Cubs, the Blue Jays, and the Orioles who thought that. You know, it's hard to remember this, and I might be misremembering this, but Kevin Gregg actually was the stat heads sort of underrated closer in his first year or two because the Angels had never really used him in leverage situations, and he had good peripherals and I think maybe a good minor league track record. Mm. Uh, despite being a low-round pick. So he was always kind of in mop-up work with the Angels. And I remember it being sort of well-considered that when he was with the Angels, he was being underutilized, and that the Marlins had actually done, A, the Marlins had done a smart thing by picking up you know, your classic, I don't know, undervalued reliever and putting him in the ninth inning and not really caring about the whole proven closer thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that the Angels had done kind of a dumb thing, trading away this guy who was going to be immediately perceived as much more valuable for Chris Resaw. Uh-huh. And so, in fact, uh, you know, Kevin Gregg had his moment yeah. uh, with us in our hearts. Mm-hmm. Designated for assignment is a bad is a bad phrase because to me, the whole problem has been that the Reds this year have been designating him for assignments. <laughs> like they've had an assignment, they've been like, "Who should we assign the eighth inning to?" <laughs> And they're like, designate Greg for it. Mm-hmm. And that's been the problem. What they should this should be designated for unassignment. Mm-hmm. Un undesignated. Undesignated for assignment would be so much better. Yeah. UFA. He just got UFA'd. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Yeah. Kevin Gregg and Trees. Yes. <laughs> Very fan friendly. Let's continue. Right. Okay. The SEO on that is gonna be incredible. <laughs> yep. Okay. I want to talk about cheating and punishments. You know the the, the NFL did a thing with uh, their, with their football player. Mm-hmm. Did you hear about that? I did. So they punished Tom Brady for probably cheating or being aware that cheating might have been taking place. And I wanted to ask you about some... I wanted to, you to pretend that you are the commissioner, and I'm going to give you some scenarios in which a modern baseball team might be, might be cheating in a modern-ish or not necessarily modern way. And these are things where we haven't really seen discipline need to be meted out because either they haven't happened or nobody's been caught red-handed but i wanted to know what how you would punish them uh if they happened okay Okay? Mm -hmm. 
So, uh, and some of these are going to be echoes of other sports, and some of them will not be. Some of them will be baseball-specific. All right, so, in an echo of Bounty Gate, what if there was a team whose strategy was explicitly to go into the first game of a series, maybe the, maybe the postseason, maybe a postseason series, or maybe it's just the first game of a series against the division rival, or maybe it's the last game of a series against the division rival, but all the same, it's the division rival. And the strategy is specifically to throw a pitch and break the star hitter's hand. Mm. And you have piping hot evidence that a crime was probably committed and that they might have been generally aware. How do you punish that team? Plant a tree on their field. <laughs> I don't know. That's a that's a bad one, though. I would. I know. I'd probably bounty gate, right? Yeah, I would. I guess if I could determine who the conspirators were, I would suspend them all for the series. It's a. Is it a playoff series? You said it does. I'm. We can talk about that. Oh, okay. Uh, because some a lot of these will have. We can kind of debate whether it matters whether it's a division series and we can also matter whether like with brady it matters who the player is i I mean i don't know if you treat it differently if it's matt harvey or clayton kershaw as opposed to ryan vogelsong or chris heston i don't think you do i mean why would you just because people people want to see (laughs) some of those guys and don't care if they see other guys and yeah, yeah i mean you kind of you kind of spoil the series if you take the team's ace away, but then their goal was to spoil the series by taking the other team's star away. So that would be a fitting punishment. If it were a if it were a playoff series, I'd probably suspend them for the postseason, effectively, which would be harsh. But that's a that's a bad thing. Can you suspend someone for the postseason and just call it the postseason? Because then you don't. Maybe that's two games. And yeah. maybe that's 19. What do you do with the extra 17 if they get eliminated in two? Yeah, I don't know. You probably, probably for collective bargaining reasons, you probably have to specify some actual term so that that I, can be appealed or something. So let's say it happened today. And so not in the postseason, but today. I don't know. The Dodgers aren't playing the Giants. But let's say that today, just to, just to not be smirched Kershaw twice, let's say that today Madison Bumgarner and Buster Posey came up with a plan to uh, break Adrian Gonzalez's wrist uh, in a game. Then what's the suspension? And this is this is like, you know, I'm going to say that the pitching coach and perhaps manager are perhaps aware of this too. Well, I'd say the players should get 15 games at least. I mean, it's kind of it's different with a starter, but while well, he would miss, you know, three starts or something. I mean, that seems like the minimum. It does seem like the minimum. So you could say what the, the non-minimum is. You don't have to just say the minimum. <laughs> uh, I'd say I'll give them. I mean, it's like it's like PEDs, you know, upset the competition and they give one team an unfair advantage, but they don't actively hurt anyone on the other team. They don't injure anyone. It's just a a sin of upsetting the competition. This is upsetting the competition combined with actual injury. So you could make the case that this is more serious. So I'll say 30 games. So with Bounty Gate, and maybe this was more wide-ranging, and maybe this was head injuries, perhaps, or maybe football yeah. injuries were serious, but you had, and forgive me, I'm going to butcher this, but I, you had a player who was suspended an entire year. I believe another player suspended for half a season, another for a quarter of the season, uh, a, the coach 
I believe the coach suspended the entire season. Somebody else named Williams, who's probably like the GM or something, suspended indefinitely. And you also had fines and you also had loss of draft picks. So uh, additional competitive sanctions in the loss of draft picks besides just missing your players. Mm-hmm. So 30 is is a lot lower. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, you know, it's a different kind of injury as well. Right. And, if it were throwing at a guy's head or something, then just like the whole season pretty much. But, but wrist is at least a, a little bit less dangerous. So there's that. Yeah. I, I think, there, yeah, the thing about it is that throwing baseballs at other teams is is already almost condoned. It's like it's a thing that the that the league has in effect sanctioned by allowing uh, by having a, a sort of a predetermined penalty, which is not a particularly discouraging penalty, right? I mean, if if MLB says you you know hit a guy and you get suspended for seven games because you threw out him intentionally they they've sort of said all right it's a seven game penalty and like they've there's precedent here they've made it clear what they think of throwing at baseball players it's you get punished but you don't get really super punished yeah now yeah. there's no intent there but i don't know that there's not intent there i'm not sure how to distinguish the intent of we're going to try to throw a baseball at this guy to hurt him and we're going to throw a baseball at this guy and hurt him mm-hmm. like not not to hurt him but and hurt him and so i don't know that like i would i would think that you could very easily make the case that attempting to injure a baseball player with a missile for the sake of injuring him for the sake of taking him out of his career and uh gaining a competitive advantage you could make the case that this would be unforgivable a season-long suspension but i think that it's probably not in tune with the closest precedent we have so yeah 30 might be close i could see 60 i think i'd say 60 and i would include any postseason games mm-hmm. prop. what do you think about the idea that it's sort of silly that if you get suspended for something for say peds in september your 50 games covers the postseason but if you get suspended for 50 games in april it doesn't cover the postseason there's been some columnists who just hate 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 to see ped guys playing on the field at all and think that if you get suspended at any point in the season, you should be ineligible for that season's postseason. And I, for kind of a different reason, I'm not quite so much concerned about the frothing that it will cause in my mouth to see a PED player holding a glove. However, just for fairness, it does feel like the timing of when you take your test creates like huge disparities by in terms of how much it hurts your team. Mm-hmm. So just to... To equal things out, I could definitely see that, that if you get suspended for PEDs, and maybe if you get suspended for trying to break Adrian Gonzalez's hand, I'm not sure yet, that you should just get suspended from the postseason regardless of when your suspension takes place. That you get you take your 50-plus postseason that year. Yeah, or you could try to make it variable somehow, the number of games, depending on when in the year it is, because April games are not as important as October games, so if you're taken out of October games, then each of those games should count for some number of April games, but that would be complicated. Yeah, it would be. It's all complicated. All right. So uh, next one. Remember the uh, Astros, uh, you know, what what was it called? Their system for holding all the information in ground control. Ground control. Yeah. Every team's got, not every, but most teams have some version of ground control. Certainly every team's got relevant information, secret information, proprietary and 
uh, sensitive information that is held on their servers, it seems pretty darn easy to imagine some smart young intern figuring out a way to hack into another team's ground control. So a smart intern has hacked into another team's ground control and used this information to benefit themselves. What do you do? That's tough. There's no there's no framework for something like that, like industrial espionage. I don't know how you how you punish a team for that. I guess you find them. Jeez, that's it. I mean, would you would you really take wins away from the players because a front office lack like hacked into some other team's system? Would you take wins away? Would you tell the players they couldn't play because of? The thing that the front office guy did, that seems like it would be strange. So Wait, should should we should we draw a line between the actions of a of a front office and the actions of the players? Aren't they all on the same team? Aren't they all going for the same thing? I mean yeah. it feels like more than any other time we see these guys as part of the same unit. Mm-hmm. They're we cheer for the GMs as much as we cheer for the shortstops, embarrassingly, but we do. And uh so it feels kind of i mean yeah you you would punish the players i mean i'm not saying wouldn't you just punish the executives you just suspend them or fire them because if they're if we're treating them the same way as the players they're the ones cheating so they're the ones who should take the punishment right and theoretically that hurts the team if you take the front office away yeah, but it doesn't hurt the team. I mean, it depends It depends what you mean by taking away the front office. But generally speaking, do, do you think that part of the point of a suspension is to hurt the team? Is it is that part? Do you think that when you suspend the guy, the team, the ace, because he threw at somebody's head, yes, you're trying to punish the player by taking away his money and by making a show of how bad he's been and making him sit in the corner. But do you think that part of the, the discouragement, the uh, incentives that this is attempting to create is also that it hurts the team is that deliberate yeah or that's part of the right you you want to persuade other players not to do it because it hurts well i mean it hurts them personally it also hurts their team and there's got to be some peer pressure and that sort of thing so yeah there's a team aspect to it yeah i feel like there's definitely whether it's intentional or not i think it is intentional but whether it is or not I think that that is a much more uh, that is the most significant benefit of suspending a player is that you hurt their team and therefore you create a, a a team that does not want their players to cheat. It it puts the players and the rest of the team, each individual player and the rest of the team, in the same boat of not wanting to get caught cheating and therefore presumably to not want to cheat and therefore presumably to encourage each other not to cheat. Right. So uh, yes, I think that your goal is. In, in any suspension, your goal is partly to cost the team wins, or at least make it harder for them to win, I think. You could dispute that. I'm, I don't know that that's necessarily true, but I think it is. So I think in the front office's case, it's, it's not enough. I mean, what, are you going to fire the intern? You, you, I mean, you could suspend the GM, but who cares? There's 13 GMs in every front office right now. Nobody's going to care that much. And particularly if it's not, like, when are you going to suspend him? Are you going to suspend him during the winter meetings? Are you going to suspend him? in like mid-May and what does suspension mean he can't go look at them like is he still allowed to go check out the A-ball team and see how guys are developing is he still allowed to scout I mean what does he do that he can't do under suspension he he can't can't do he can't file paperwork with the league is that it can't do any baseball activities what what you're going to stop him from going to a high school field in uh, Cedar Rapids yeah (laughs) or or telling people about it 
All right. How long do you suspend him? I don't think this works, but keep going. How long do you suspend him for this? I guess it maybe depends. I mean, if this was a rogue intern doing it on his own to try to curry favor or something, maybe it's a little different than if the GM said, hey, do this. But yeah, a year. Yeah, we're assuming that it's not a rogue intern for the purposes of wanting to. Okay, a year makes some sense because it's a full cycle. And yes, it would be disruptive to his activities. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure how disruptive it would be, but fair enough. That might work. Okay, so a year suspension for the GM. Uh, that seems plausible to me. You would do this instead of, say, taking away draft picks uh, from them or taking away bonus pool money or I don't... There's not really what. There's not much else you can do. You can't like no, you table- can't take wins away. You can't yeah. suspend players. So I, you, it would have to be. Uh, yeah, I mean, my first answer was a fine, which is essentially the same as taking yeah. bonus pool money away or whatever. I mean, it uh, could be a big fine. Yeah, you'd have to fine a lot for it to matter. I mean, what do you, you can't really fine them to to find to cost them a win you'd have to find them 7 million dollars and i just don't think they're going to find anybody 7 million dollars for that yeah. i think you're i think you're right i think it's imperfect it actually doesn't do enough to discourage the practice and maybe then you just need to shame them um maybe it's the that people just don't want to get caught doing a bad thing is enough to discourage it i don't think that this penalty will discourage the behavior enough but then on the other hand maybe there's maybe maybe you don't need to maybe there's a reason this hasn't come up by the way curry favor would be, <laughs> no that would be that sounds like a great productive outs ball player name <laughs> yeah that's true it'd be like a curry favor would be like a like a speedy right fielder for the twins <laughs> uh in a twin system curry favor yeah I think the first team to try this would probably get off easy like I think if it happened once you'd see some very strict penalties put in place for any subsequent p- yeah. things, but like the first, there's only so much you could do probably to the first team to do this because, as far as I know, there's no specific punishment for this. So if you if you want to do it, you should probably try to be the first to do it. Probably get off easy, but yeah, I, I, everyone would hate you, <laughs> so you'd have probably a tough time. I don't know, getting talent in, in any way, hiring people, dealing with other teams. It would be. It'd be a pain. I'm not sure it would be worth it. I think that, uh, yeah, I everybody would hate you. I don't know that anybody would... S- I'm not sure it would stop teams from dealing with you or anything like that because they people who deal with you think that they're getting a good trade from you. They still want to get that ball player. I mean, they're not doing it for charity in the first place. Uh, you might see it initially. I you should. Uh, it should be that if you get caught doing this, you lose your internet for a year. <laughs> No internet at all, like no nothing, no gifts, nothing, no John Voices YouTube series. You just can't have the internet at all. You can't access your own ground control that way either. No, you can't. All right, so you get caught with electronic, you know, assistance in the dugout. You know, you're not allowed to have your iPad in the dugout. You're not allowed to have access to, you know all this whatever i don't know whatever you know you're not supposed to have some stuff right Mm -hmm. so let's say that you're you've got you know you've got a guy in the tunnel with the supercomputer like he's actually got the supercomputer he's in the tunnel uh he's he's in the bathroom just out off the dugout steps and he's basically feeding the team all the whatever that they're not allowed to have what do you what do you how do you punish them well for all i know there might actually be a punishment for this i don't know we're 
now talking about something that is specifically prohibited, so maybe there is some sort of punishment associated with it. But I would say suspend the manager. For how long? Ten games. I think suspend the manager with three games. I don't know. If you if you got a guy with a supercomputer in the tunnel, that seems more more serious, more considered. It's not like you if you just slip an iPad into the binder at the end of the dugout or something, then you're you're probably getting the same information that you have in that binder in a more convenient form. That that seems like a three game. If you got a guy with a supercomputer in the video room or something who's feeding you real time updates about pitch tendencies or something that seems a little more serious yeah the problem is that this is one of those serious i don't know this feels like one of those violations that falls that could very easily roll down the side of the hill that we consider gamesmanship you know yeah i wouldn't mind if this were allowed but no yeah i don't and it probably will be in nine years or whatever Mm -hmm. and so the only reason to even do three games i think is well if you've got a rule on the books you've got to enforce it you can't you can't, I mean, an, an unenforced rule is society's worst invention. And so I think that you need to do something that makes it look like you take it seriously. But I, I, don't, I wouldn't take it that seriously. I, to me, it's like uh, it's pretty close to just being smart and ch- good cheating, you know, baseball cheating. Mm-hmm. So that takes us to another one. Man in white. Remember the man in white? Yeah. All right. So uh, should, what if we should explain what the man in white was? It is fun when we don't. <laughs> fun for for us, maybe. All right. So the Blue Jays a couple years ago were accused of having a man in white standing, uh, sitting out in a seat in like right center field, I think, and relaying pitch locations or signs via code to the hitters. Visiting clubs all were convinced that Blue Jays were doing this, and that that's why they were so good at home. Uh, it was briefly a kerfuffle, then disappeared uh, along with the man in white. And so what if you had the man in white for real? Like he confirmed his involvement. He was absolutely doing this. And just to make it somewhat interesting, he this takes place uh, in, you know, the postseason. This is a tough one because is the guy, where is he even, who is he? What position does he hold? He is the the, the Cuban interpreter in the clubhouse's <laughs> uh, nephew. Right. So you just suspend him and... There are a couple of pitchers who can't talk to anyone for a few days. I don't know what you do. It's not even the Cuban interpreter. It's his nephew. No. Okay. So you can't punish him directly. So you have to shift the blame to the team somehow. But this is a tough one. I mean, I don't know. This isn't... Maybe there's precedent for this. This isn't the first sign-stealing sort of scandal. So maybe there's maybe there's some precedent for this, but... You can't really can't really take wins away, right? Because you can't you're not even sure that it worked. You're not even sure that it did anything. And just sort of like a fine slash suspend the front office or the manager or the coaches or something type of of penalty. Nothing I can't it doesn't seem like anything where you could punish it that severely with wins taken away or you know, I don't think that they would like count those games as forfeits or anything that drastic so the the players are cheating though i mean every player who looks out there that's true is is cheating or presumably is cheating i don't know if there's a without electronic communication yeah you can't even prove right because a hitter could just say he didn't want to know the signs or he didn't he didn't know he didn't he wasn't looking he didn't think about it yeah he could say that 
So unless but, you but, had some uh, kind of, you know. Well, but, I mean, as we've seen with Brady, I mean, Brady, it's not like there's a smoking gun that, that Brady had all that much to do with this football thing either. Mm-hmm. You're the commissioner. You get to just do things. Like, that's the great thing about being a commissioner in sports in 2015. You get to be tough on crime. People love it. People love when you're tough on crime. Yeah. This kind of this kind of does fall into the. I mean, sign stealing has always kind of been in this in this shadowy place between rule breaking and gamesmanship, right? I mean, this is something that teams have been doing for decades, for probably as long as baseball has been around. So I just don't see it being that drastic. Yeah, I don't either. And I like I don't even know I don't know if it does I mean one of the things that this exercise sort of points out is that there's not that like there's just baseball is in a lot of ways there aren't enough variables to really punish a guy like you're not gonna like you don't want to take guys off the field if you can avoid it and like money doesn't matter so there's a lot of fining going on in baseball that means nothing to anybody <laughs> um, and. There aren't really any other like you can't take away their bat like what like when you're a kid or if I if you're a parent either way if your kid does something wrong and you think oh I need to punish them there's a million things you just walk into the room you look around and you can take anything like there's <laughs> like you go oh is this is this take away the puzzle bad or is this take away the entire baseball card collection bad which happened to me once for about six months my entire wow. base what did that you do one. so I had. My parents, my mom had gotten a couple of boxes of, of cards uh, for some reason, and I, and I was a huge card collector. I think she had gotten the cards for some reason that had nothing to do with me. She, she had like two boxes of these, and uh, when she was done with them for whatever she needed them for, they were still there were still a bunch of unopened packs of baseball cards, and so she would give me a pack here and there as a reward Ooh, um, you snuck you snuck into the stash i snuck into the stash and i was taking away i was taking packs of cards and i was i did i had a sneaking problem when i was a kid i, <laughs> I would i was sneaking food i was sneaking treats mm-hmm. uh, and so it, it fit the narrative that this was my weakness was sneaking things i was sneaking in to try to you know to look at christmas presents i, I was a sneaker. Eh, every kid does that i did that <clears throat> yeah, that and in retrospect, it, it wasn't bad, but it was like I mean, I was definitely you know like Tom Cruise hanging from the rope uh, when I was doing it at the time. It was right. sweaty, uh, so I got caught sneaking the cards, uh, and it was the last straw. So they took my cards away from me until some months later. Um, got them back for my birthday, along with all the unopened cards, which was pretty cool. Like I still. <laughs> Bad. They probably shouldn't have given me those in retrospect. <laughs> uh, but I, uh, I had one card that they didn't know about that I had snuck away. Uh, that had just sort of been, it had been like in a in a table somewhere, uh, like in a drawer, and I knew about it and they didn't know about it. And so for those months, this card was like great. It was the Aussie Smith '88 tops, and I would just, I would caress it. It was like a letter from my sweetie back home. <laughs> <laughs> Did you sleep with it under your pillow? I couldn't. I was no, no way. I would have gotten caught. This thing, uh, it was kept in the table. I would go visit the table. <laughs> <laughs> I think at one point I took it to school, which was also risky. But it was it was risky because the teacher could see it and take it away. But it was safe from my parents. 
So yeah, 88 Ozzy Smith pops. I'm going to look up that card right now. Uh, yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Uh, all right. What were we talking about? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were talking about how there's not much you can do to penalize teams. Right. Like, can't you take can't, things away. You can't take their bats away from them. You can't take away like their cell phone. You can't have them have curfew. Like, there's just not that much you can do. So you should, you're basically should take stuck. away their advanced scouting reports for the rest of the season. I mean, it'd be fun, right? Like, ideally, you you maybe you could, and maybe you would, and maybe that'd be interesting. I mean, wouldn't it be fun? Like, I'm I'm only half kidding here when I say, wouldn't it be fun if a penalty for something that is kind of like hard to decide what to penalize them, if the penalty was nobody on the team can use batting gloves for like three weeks, and we'd all be paying attention to that, right? Or like. Two guys on the field at any given time can't use spikes. They have to just use sneakers. <laughs> or one guy's got to wear jeans. <laughs> or, or, I mean, like in, in soccer, you lose a man off the field and you have to play short. And in, in hockey, too, you have to play shorthanded. So what if you had to play shorthanded for a game? You know, one guy gets suspended, but not just suspended. You can't even replace him. Yep. So first, I, first baseman doesn't get a glove. First baseman doesn't. Well, but first baseman can then he would just use the second baseman's club. Right. Right. Uh, so who? All right. So Ben, who who gives up his glove in that scenario? I guess the <laughs> pitcher. It's the pitcher. Right? Well, the problem with the pitcher is it might throw off his balance, and the pitcher needs the glove for safety. Yeah. Whereas no one else really needs it for safety except for obviously the catcher. Probably so take it away from the left fielder or something. The left fielder though is never is not going to be able to field anything. Like you can't catch a line drive. To let, uh, well, yeah, you pro- can you catch it? How? What? Okay. People used to. Let me ask you this, Ben. You hit twenty can of corn fly balls. Oh, thanks. All right. Okay. So, Ben, let me ask you this. You should you take hit, all her baseball cards away for interrupting the podcast. You hit twenty fly balls to the left fielder, and none of these are difficult to catch. Some you have to move, some you don't. But no, we're not talking about the 0 to 10% on inside edges ratings. We're talking about 50% or higher, even higher than that. How many does a barehanded left fielder catch? <laughs> I'll say say 20%. Okay. I think you give the ball, I think you take the glove from the second baseman. Most, I mean, you're going to lose some ground balls, but the second baseman has a lot of time on a lot of these, and if he just sort of knocks it down, he's going to have time to get the guy out. And a lot of what a second baseman needs to do, uh, the shortstop could do, you know, the fielding throws from the catcher. The shortstop could go over and cover, probably cover second on a double play ball to the third baseman if you needed him to. And then, you know, the second baseman would still be able to handle the turn uh, on double plays at the shortstop fields. And so you'd lose a few, but they'd be, I think you'd lose fewer. So mm-hmm. take the club from the second baseman. Okay. All right. Anyway, so those, I would suggest some of those fines. That's the kind of fine I would suggest. Yeah, that'd be fun. All right, uh, last one. You bug the visitor's locker room in your <laughs> park. And I'm not sure what the benefit would be, but maybe you bug their, um, you know, they, they have a room where they have their uh, their meeting with the pitchers before each series to talk about how they're going to pitch hitters. Mm-hmm. Uh, your pitcher's meeting, your pitcher's and catcher meeting. So let's say you bug that. I mean, that'd be incredibly easy to do. Like, incredibly easy to do, right? Yeah, I wonder if that's ever happened. So you bug their uh, their the visitors locker room penalty. It's a bad. It's a, it's somewhat similar to the men in white, but it's worse. It's definitely worse. It's shady. Yes. It's 
shadier. It is. It's possibly illegal, right? Is it illegal? I guess. I probably, yeah. I, I mean, you yeah. need at least one party consent in most states. Right. So that's bad. But I am running into the problem of how to punish teams for things. Do you? I don't know. Do you? What if the team doesn't know anything about it? What if it's just the front office doing it on its own, and then they, they, you know, put the information they learn in the team's advanced scouting reports, but yeah. the the manager didn't even know, or, and the players didn't know that they're getting this privileged information. They just think their scouts are good. It doesn't it doesn't matter? You can still hurt the players. That they are the team. They are the entire team, and you don't. I mean, you can't take away their income. I don't think you could get away with suspending the players for this. But you don't have to worry about whether it affects their their winning, right? You can do you can disadvantage the players. I think I think you are within your rights to disadvantage the players' competitive efforts because they're all part of a team that cheated to get competitive benefits. So uh, so yeah. Does it rise to the level of taking wins away? Because that is that's serious. Wins away that you can't take, taking wins away is well. We're talking about in the same season. Yeah, because you would, it would be pointless to take away wins from last season, and I presumably this would require a four-month investigation. And how many pages would be in the, in the report? <laughs> I'm always shocked by how many pages are in all reports. <laughs> like, there's so many pages. Yeah, this would be like a 600-page report. I mean, you could do this sort of like you know, like the Syracuse basketball punishment, where they had athlete academic scandal sort of stuff in past seasons and then they were forbidden from playing in the tournament this year even though the players weren't the same but the coach was and other people were and you're just kind of punishing the current players for things that the team did in the past which seems sort of weird but if you i mean what if you found out about it a week into the a week into the season or something where uh i don't know some guy just taps on the light fixture and the bug falls out and it's been there for for the first seven games of the season or something. Do you say you forfeit those games? You have to replay those. I mean, it's such a it's well, such I mean, a headache for just a. Do you, you t- benefit the team that they forfeit against? Do they just get free wins? Because that doesn't seem fair to all the other teams, the twenty eight other teams or whatever, right. who who didn't get to play the forfeiting team. Yeah, you could have them replay any games that went against the team that was bugged. But, I mean, it's such a logistical hassle. You can't have, you'd have to, you know, make the other team fly back to play those games, which would itself be a disadvantage for that team. So that's a really hard thing to do. And yet it's can't really just arbitrarily suspend your best player for 10 games or something. That seems like a, just a strange punishment. So maybe, maybe it does become a fine slash front office slash coaching staff suspension and firing issue probably the same sort of thing right like if you could if you could prove that the manager knew about it then you suspend him if it was a front office thing you suspend them or fire those guys or find the team or something but i can't really think of a, an on-field penalty that would be appropriate i think that you make the home team and uh switch clubhouses forever that <laughs> so they now have to have the lousy visitors in <laughs> bug has to stay uh-huh. What if it's one of those, it's a new stadium, both both places have great facilities, it's not like one of those, you know, visitors clubhouse at Wrigley or something, it's one of those big expansive visitors clubhouses. Yeah, it's hard, I, I mean, I feel like I want to say, 
ban ban whoever knew about this uh, from the front office side mm-hmm. from baseball for two years or something. But that seems really extreme. I kind of feel like this is another one where the if you got caught doing it, if you were the second team, my penalty would be a lot harsher. There's just something about being. I know this is not right, but there's something about being the first person to spot the opportunity to cheat <laughs> that feels more noble. Like the the followers just feel like they're just followers, you know. It doesn't seem as clever. Like I don't even want to give them clever points, but I would. I think that I'd come down pretty hard uh, on them and just take 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 away their privileges to baseball stadiums. And then any player who, in my report, was knowledgeable about this, I'd give like I don't know seven games. But you'd find that no players were knowledgeable about it. Right. right. Probably. I wonder whether it's ever been done because it seems, I mean, it's not the sort of, it's the sort of thing that people would probably take to the grave because it's not like a, it's not like a cute way to cheat, like a, just kind of, oh, that was smart. You guys got, you guys got us like where, you know, maybe, I mean, 50 years later or whatever the, you know, 51 giant stuff comes out where, you know, they were. They had a guy out in the stands with the binoculars or whatever. That's kind of well, you know, it's it's low tech and it's it's kind of almost almost quaint or endearing in retrospect. But this sort of thing, if you if you admitted that you bugged another team's clubhouse, that would at no point would that be like you would get backslaps or or anything for for coming up with that. So it seems like the sort of thing that would maybe stay quiet and you'd you'd only have you know one or two people know about it and they wouldn't talk and it would be so easy to do that it seems almost like it had to happen at some point i don't think anything goes to the grave i think that Mm. if it had happened we would have at least heard i i'm surprised we haven't heard stories about it happening even though it hasn't happened (laughs) Uh i i think that uh it is surprising it hasn't happened primarily to me because this has been I mean, it's been technically possible for, you know, 80 years, like since the 40s, basically. You've been able to bug, you know, you, you've been able to reliably bug things, mm-hmm. uh, 30s even, you know, 40s, 40s, 50s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 40s and 50s. We've probably so, both been watching The Americans, and you can bug anything in that show. That's the, that's the early 80s, though. You right. Anything in the early '80s. Uh, I just read a book about the, the sort of the mob wars of Los Angeles in the '40s and '50s, and bugging was a big part of it. Anyway, so given that you could do it, and given that you know Branch Rickey was would do anything, like he had no morals whatsoever, except when it came to big important things. I'm surprised that uh, it hasn't happened to. Mm-hmm. Seems like seems pretty obvious. Seems like a pretty obvious one. Okay, so that's it for today. If you listen to this before our email show is up, send us emails at podcast at baseballperspectus.com. Otherwise, support our sponsor, the Play Index, by going to baseballreference.com, using the coupon code BP to subscribe to the Play Index, and getting the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription. We will be back tomorrow. 675. Is that really all? <laughs> That's it.